Hey everyone, and welcome to Unison Christian Church, the podcast. We exist to change our community with the life-changing truth of Jesus, elevate a culture of love and holistic growth, and serve as a family built on hope. Our desire is that today's message helps you discover fresh new ways of connecting with God. Now, here is today's message. Dear Heavenly Father, we meet you here today. And my heart is so, so, so grateful that you transcend space and time and even the internet. Lord, you just work in so many amazing ways. And I know that our heart is to be together and we are together in spirit. And you do that with your awesome power, Lord. We trust you and we thank you for that. Leading up to this week, my prayer has been that you're working in hearts where they need some work preparing them for whatever it is that you're going to have people here today, Lord. I offer myself to you, Lord, and I pray that my words be your words. I'm attuned to your spirit, and I'm obedient to the voice of your spirit, Lord. May the words of my mouth be pleasing to you, God. We trust you. We praise you. Amen. All right, so this week is week two of our Becoming sermon series. And so the premise behind the Becoming um, is the second half of Exodus, and this is like after um, God has delivered the Israelites from the Egyptian oppression out of Egypt. Um, We already talked about them like miraculously being saved and the Red Sea being parted and all of the Egyptian pressures being swept away by God's mighty hand. Like, all of this has already happened. We're a couple months out from that, and Israel is kind of like doing the whole wander in the desert thing. Um, And something important to remember with that is that we are um, in a season with them where they came from Egypt. They came from a land of a completely different culture. And in that culture, there was a vast number of different gods. Like, everything that they could think of had a god or a statue or some way to praise it, right? So there was gods of the sun and there was gods of rain and there was gods of love and there's all sorts of things. And so any part of your life that you wanted some sort of something extra, right, they had a statue for. And so that was the culture in which this generation of Israelites grew up in. That is all they'd ever known. All they'd ever known is sin and idolatry and just being in a space where everything was about self, right? And about worshiping false idols. So that's the the culture in which they came from. Obviously, God has moved them, but they're not yet the people that he just called them to be. There has to be some work done. There has to be some rewiring that's done before they can become the people of God and to be able to do what God wants them to do in the world. So... I've named it Family Ground Rules, and we're in Exodus 19 and 20. So what exactly are family ground rules? So Jesus calls the church his bride. We are going to use kind of a wedding marriage analogy here. I think it fits so well, um, especially because Paul uses that analogy too. So think about when you are preparing for a wedding, when you're preparing for a marriage, 
We do, um, Unison does marriage counseling for folks that are approaching the altar, and it's just kind of a tool that we use to help them get on the same page, right? Get on the same page with each other, get on the same page with God and what they want for their marriage, and part of that counseling focuses on expectations. So if you go into a marriage and you have expectations that don't align, that's going to be really, really tough. So an example, um, many years ago, working in retail management, I had a staff member who worked under me, and he got married while he worked for me. And a few months later, in his frustration, he tells me that he's really, really frustrated with his wife. And so a little bit of probing happened, and, and come to find out, he was expecting something different from his wife after they got married, something in her to be different than what she was before. Long story short, his wife came from a family where everything was provided for her. There was no expectation of her to provide food. There was no expectation of her to, to work and to bring money into the family. There was no expectation of like house cleaning. This was not an expectation for this young woman. And so when she entered in marriage, that's what she was accustomed to. Whereas he came from a family that everyone was working, everyone was pitching in with, faith, with housework. This was all a thing. And so his expectation of family and her expectation of family were different things and they clashed. Somehow he thought that once they got married, she'd just start doing everything that he expected her to do. <laughs> so the point of the marriage counseling is to root out, like, what are our expectations? What do we want to have as a common common goal, a common agreement with one another. And that's kind of where our heart needs to be when we're looking at the Ten Commandments and all of the, the rules that God puts in place. Like, there is something that God is doing to make a common ground for his people. This is what I expect of you. It's the same thing that happens when you are, um, you are hired on for a new position, now, if you were hired on for a new position and the first, first day you go in and they just tell you to get to work and you're like, but what do I do, right? And so um, there needs to be this, this, this portion where you and your new employer come to an agreement on your new expectations. What are your roles? What can you expect from them, training, etc.? And what can they expect from you in return? And that common ground is so essential for any relationship. And that common ground is what God is about to do. He's about to set these family ground rules for his people. But he's going to have to do some work, right? He's going to have to do some rewiring from all of the culture that they learned in Egypt. He's going to have to do some house cleaning in their hearts and set these expectations so that they can become the people of God, so they can be set apart from the rest of the world. And unless we have those expectations in place, it is really hard to do what God wants us to do. So in Exodus chapter 19, we read in verse 1, On the first day of the third month, after the Israelites left Egypt, and on that very day they came to the desert of Sinai, after they set out from Rephidim, they entered the desert of Sinai, and Israel camped there, in the desert in front of the mountain. 
Now, I did some research on this mountain, and it's kind of cool, so I want to share it with you. The mountain, which in Moses' day was called Sinai, is actually now called Gabel Musa. So the reason I bring that up is if you actually Google it, you can pull up these, these cool maps where it shows you like the mountain that they believe it to be and the valley that's talked about where the Israelites are waiting for Moses. So there's actually pictures of that, and you can look at it. It's really interesting. So I encourage you to look that up. I know some of you probably did that right now. Just pay attention also. <laughs> Love you. Um, and then in verse 3 we read, Moses went up to God, and the Lord called him from the mountain and said, This is what you are to say to the descendants of Jacob, and what you are to tell the people of Israel. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt, and how I carried you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. You now I highlighted eagle's wings so we can talk about that for a second. And we'll bring up the next slide. You can see that. Something really cool. So a lot of birds, their normal MO when a little chicklet, bird, birdling, whatever, when they get big enough to actually fly, most of them have a tendency to just push the baby bird out of the nest and hope for the best right? That's quite normal um, for birds. However, with eagles, what people have come to notice is something a little bit different. A lot of times you can actually catch an eagle with their little hatchlings when they're ready to fly. The adult eagles actually put them on their wings and they take them out to fly. And they let the baby birds like feel the breeze underneath their wings and allow them that moment so that they can take flight, right? There's this, this guardianship, this watchfulness. There's compassion, which is unique from a lot of different birds. There's also times where you can actually see other species of birds that are kind of taking a ride on the back of the eagle's wings too. Um, it's very common. But there's this compassion, this watchfulness. And it's something that we learn about God when he says that he carried them like like on eagle's wings. And that's kind of what he's referring to. We learn about compassion. We learn about protection, strength, watchfulness. Can you imagine if we didn't have Exodus, some of the things, some of the characteristics about God that we would miss out on learning? So, next time you see an eagle, you think about God carrying you. All right, Exodus 19, verse 5. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of the nations you will be my treasured possession. You will be for me a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. These are the words that you are to speak to the Israelites. Now this next slide, I point out a couple of verses which are rather unique. In verse 3, he reminds them of their humble beginnings. And then what he has allowed them to become, a nation. See, the house of Jacob, if you remember back to the story of Jacob and, and when he was with his father and his brother, Jacob actually started out in humble beginnings. He was actually running from his brother who wanted to kill him, right? That's how Jacob started out, a humble beginning. But God, over time, has actually turned his family into a nation, the people of Israel. And if you look at the text, there's actually millions of them. They have multiplied. They become a giant nation. I can kind of almost picture it in my head, like this giant group of millions of people exiting out of Egypt and coming into this desert. Like, what a massive picture that would have been. 
What a huge parade of people. And also that in verse 5 and 6, he points out that he wants them to be different. He wants them to be set apart from the world, right? He doesn't want them to continue with all of these different idols. He doesn't want them to continue in this pattern of sin or selfishness or self-centeredness. He wants to focus them back on who he created them to be. He wants them to look different than the world. And in order to do that, they need to understand some expectations. They need to understand that he's not just a God, he's the God. And he is their God. They are to be different from the rest of the world. So in Exodus 19, verse 7, so Moses went back and summoned the elders of the people and set before them all the words that the Lord had commanded him to speak. The people all responded together, we will do everything the Lord has said. So Moses brought their answer back to the Lord. Rewiring sometimes requires drastic measures. The Lord said to Moses, I am going to come to you in a dense cloud so that the people will hear me speaking with you and will always put their trust in you. I put a little note there. The people will hear me speaking to you. And that has significance. So I want you to keep that in mind. And the Lord said, go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow and have them wash their clothes and be ready by the third day. Now let's highlight it. I don't know if you can think of anything else off the top of your head that happens on the third day, but there's an interesting parallel there what happens with Jesus, right? Because on that day, the Lord will come down, Mount Sinai, and in the sight of all people, put limits for the people around the mountain and tell them, be careful that you do not approach the mountain. So if you can imagine the mountain, obviously not to scale, but God tells them to put limits around the mountain and that people are not to approach. Only those who are supposed to, who have been invited into God's presence, are to go past that barrier. On the morning of the third day, there was thunder and lightning and a thick cloud over the mountain, a very loud trumpet blast, and everyone in the camp trembled. The Lord, or then Moses, led people out of the camp to meet with God, And they stood at the foot of the mountain. Now, I don't know about you, but if there was this giant mountain and this giant dark black cloud that just kind of sat on it, everything else was day. But here, over this mountain, was this giant dark black cloud. And then there is fire and smoke shooting up out of the back of this mountain. Can you imagine what that looked like? Of course they trembled. Of course they were nervous. And then the trumpet blast starts sounding, and they're like, where did that come from? Right? Can you imagine? I I mean, if I was there, I'd be like, "Uh, Joe? Hey, guys, who's got a trumpet? Anyway, I'm just imagining their shock. Mount Sinai was covered in smoke because the Lord descended on it in fire. The smoke billowed up from it like smoke from a furnace. 
the whole mountain trembled violently. And as the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke, and the voice of God answered. So Moses says, Lord, Father, and in reply, Moses. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh my gosh, if you were standing in that camp, let's play a little, a little game here. On the next slide here, we'll play a little game of versus, right? So on this next slide, in Egypt, there were custom all these statues, right? They were everywhere, statues for everything under the sun. And they would go to this one and they would say, oh, God of sun, oh, God of rain, like they're trying to get their crops, right? And so that's what's happening there with the statue on the left. They would commonly sit there with that statue and they would pray to it. But here's the key things, guys. One, never once did it speak back. And two, never once did it answer that prayer with action. And so here the Israelites are accustomed to this, right? Because they came out of Egypt. That's what they're expecting. And all of a sudden, they're standing at the bottom of this mountain with all of this crazy smoke and fire and whatnot going on over here, trumpets blasting out of nowhere. And all of a sudden, as Moses speaks out to God and waits for a reply, they hear, Moses. Really? And here he is. God in all his glory proving he is not just a God. He is the God. Making a statement here. God let the people hear him speaking to Moses. So we'll move to the Ten Commandments. I have this awesome little stone here, which I find rather amusing. Um, the Bible does say that it was small enough that he was able to carry it in his hands what the size actually is, we're not 100% sure. What the shape is, we're not 100% sure. But it's nice to just kind of have a visual aid for us there. And then the picture on the right is uh, a portion of scripture that talks about when Moses came off the mountain, his face was radiant from being in the presence of God. And so that's the two, um, the two pictures that you see there. Exodus 20. And God spoke all of these words. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. Again, I am not a God. I am the God. And now I am your God. Verse 2, you shall not make for yourself an idol. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation for those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. There is blessing in being in a family who loves God. I am not saying that you cannot love God and you cannot make a change if your family has not been rooted in that blessing. You can be the change maker, absolutely. 
but there is blessing that comes from generations of faith and love and trust in Christ. And number three, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. See, Yahweh, God's name, was given to the people as a blessing. To know his name, to be able to speak his name was a privilege, something to be treated with respect. Number four, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all of your work, but on the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. For in six days the Lord created the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that was in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So if you remember to Miss Jenny, Miss Jennifer teaching with the kids' sermon earlier, she talked about resting. Now, I am not saying that you have to have Sunday has to be your exact day. Maybe that's different for your family. Maybe it's different for your life. Maybe there's something else that is your rest day. For us, it looks a little bit different because, you know, being at church and the responsibilities that we have here, but you need to have a rhythm of rest. You need to be able to disengage for a moment and accept that rest and renewal that God has for you. Because without taking a moment to stop and allow yourself to rest, you miss out on the goodness that God has for you, and you can't have the same strength that he intends for you to have. And oftentimes I think we are so good at go, 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 that we forget that we're also called to rest. It's how we were made. It's how we're designed. Bless the Sabbath day. Keep it holy. Number five, honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land that God is giving you. So honoring your parents goes beyond when you are dependent on them, right? It's easy to say that. I say it to my children a lot at home, and they just laugh at me because they know that it's one of the commandments, right? But it goes beyond when they are dependent on you or when you are dependent on them. It's a lifelong expectation, right, of honor and respect. Honor your parents. You can also think of it as honor your leaders as well. Number six, you shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. Now with these, we are talking about the deceitful condition of one's heart. Are your thoughts of pure intention or centered on oneself? So when you get into the New Testament, Jesus talks a bit about the commandments, and he refers to a few of these. And one of them he talks about is the one about murder. And he says, if you've even done it in your heart, you've broken the law. His focus was on the condition of your heart. In order for us to have the pure heart, in order for us to become the people of God that he calls us to be, these expectations help give us guidelines on how to live. The condition of your heart is what matters and is the basis for the law. 
You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male or female servant, his ox or his donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. And my kids made me laugh as we were putting together some of these, these props. And they're like, Abby's like, Mom, what's Colvette? <laughs> so we had the explanation of what it is to be jealous, to want what someone else has. Someone else got the new iPad for Christmas, but I still have the one Mom gave me a couple of years ago, right? Or so Susie down the street has a new bike, but I still have last year's bike. Or brother got to be first player on the Xbox, and I really wanted to be first player. For the record, does it matter? Some child tell me that. Why does it matter? But we do this as adults in our own life so, so very much. And it's so easy for jealousy to creep up. I feel like it's one of the easiest commandments to break because it just happens. Our culture is so based on this instant gratification that it's hard not to have that jealousy just sneak right in without you even noticing. Someone does get a new car. Someone's grass looks better than mine. Someone got the attention today in the meeting at work. Someone else got praised, but nobody noticed what I did. See how easy that is? That person's only done that once. Why are they getting all this attention? I do it all the time, and nobody ever tells me a good job. It's so easy to fall victim to that jealousy. But God doesn't want that for us. And there's a reason why. There's a reason. See, God honors... Sorry, there's a letter missing there. But jealousy kills contentment. And it robs us of joy. If we're so concerned about what we're missing then we have a really, really hard time putting on the right lenses and seeing what's right in front of us, what we have been blessed with. See, what we sometimes forget that our blessings in our life to others look so very, very good. It's the whole grass is greener complex. Sometimes when you get inundated, like maybe the house is just such a mess because the kids are running everywhere and it's just stressing you out and you're like, oh my gosh, and you see it as such a, a troublesome thing. But a friend of yours who's been trying to have children and can't sees your mess and longs for it. You may want her clean house, but she wants the joy of your blessing. So it's so easy. It is so easy to have that pop up. It is so easy for jealousy to rob us of our joy. And God knows that, and he wants better for us. That's why it's one of the Ten Commandments, family. Because he wants better for us. So, Exodus 20.20, kind of wrapping up the portion of the text where the Ten Commandments are given. Moses says to the people, do not be afraid. God has come to test you so that the fear of God will keep you from sinning. So there is purpose in, in the fear of God. 
The purpose is to keep you from sinning. And we keep you from sinning because it causes harm and robs you of joy and blessing. There is purpose. The Ten Commandments were given as an avenue to help deliver the Israelites from the bondage of sin until the proper time for Jesus. See, God had a plan for Jesus to come and be that ultimate sacrifice, to pay that penalty for sin, to take our blame. But that, it wasn't time yet. So these Ten Commandments, these expectations, these family ground rules, were God's blessing to us, God's blessing to the Israelites, as a way to help them, from the, keep them from the bondage of sin, because he loved them. It was a way for him to carry them on eagle's wings. These safeguards, these expectations, these family ground rules. As they keep the family ground rules, it helps them to become the people that God has called them to be. It was a rewiring. So we can move into reflection. Because there's going to be a lot, a lot to discuss. And so before I let everybody go, what can we learn about the character of God through Exodus 19 and 20? What can we learn about his character? You can also spin it another way. Had we not had Exodus 19 and 20, what would we miss out on learning about God? About his love, his care, the way that he carried us, his expectations to set us up for success, right? We wouldn't want to be called to be his people if we didn't know his expectations. How can you be called to something so great and not know what you need to do? So these family ground rules were an act of care, love, compassion, watchfulness. His way of loving us well and teaching us how to love others. Because that is ultimately what he calls us to do. And also, what convictions and affirmations arise for you in light of the study of God's word? See, there is both. There's blessing of both. There's affirmation on what God says. Yes, you are making me proud. This is what I need from you. Keep going, right? But there's also this loving affirmation and correction because he loves us and he, he wants the best for us. And sometimes that means calling out that thing that is a stumbling block for us. Now, he won't enter into the process of purging that thing from us unless we give him permission to do so. We have to meet the Holy Spirit there and give him permission. But he can, he can enlighten us. You know this thing over here? This is really tripping you up. Can I help you? Can I help you walk through this to the other side where there is freedom from the bondage of this sin in your life? Because if we can get this out of your life, there is so much more joy over here. Right? So conviction can be painful, and it's often painful to walk past these stumbling blocks in our life. But God is here with us, and he promises if that we give him permission to walk that with him, that he will be there 
yes, it will be painful. But on the other side of those convictions, on the other side of the work, there is freedom from the bondage that holds you back from being what God wants you to be, from becoming God's people. So we're going to close in prayer. And we'll give you some time to process. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for the family ground rules. We thank you for the blessing of knowing your expectation. Because walking in the path that you have designed for us brings blessing. It helps us to find our true self, how you've created us to be. Not just the broken, altered self of this broken world, but as you work in us to bring us more into a life like Christ, you show us who you have designed us to be. These expectations, these ground rules help condition our heart for who you want us to be, Lord. And we thank you for them. We thank you for that wisdom, for these pearls of blessing. I pray that whatever has been pulled in hearts today, whatever affirmations, whatever convictions, in both, Lord, I pray that your people feel loved they feel your discerning guidance in their life, Lord, and it brings them joy through your love of them. Often we feel that purging is difficult, Lord, but we also understand that as you continue to shape us, it's an affirmation that tells us that we are worthy of your love. We are worthy to be called part of your kingdom and to be used by you in this broken world because we are set apart. We are different. We are becoming the kingdom of God. We thank you, Lord, for these words. We thank you for Exodus 19 and 20 where we learned so, so much about you. We are grateful. And I ask that you continue to bless the rest of this day. We continue to bless the conversations that will be had in the house churches this afternoon. And we thank you for your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, for those of you that are joining us on Facebook, it has been so good to be in God's presence with you today. We're so glad that you joined us. And we'll see you again next week. For house churches, go ahead and stay on. For anybody who doesn't have a house church, stay on also. We always have a place for you. There is somewhere for you to be, and we would love to engage you in dialogue today. So we thank you. We love you. Bye, guys. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode and believe others could benefit from hearing about us, please remember to share and subscribe to Unison Christian Church wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also catch us live at unisongr.com or on Facebook. See you next week.